Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Again, thank you so much for being here. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we started a new sermon series called From Paper to Practice, and it's taking God's Word and learning how to apply God's Word to our life. And uh, it's, it's, um, you would think that, that uh, as familiar as we are with the Bible, I mean, come on, it's on bumper stickers, it's made our t-shirt, we wear it on our ball caps. There's all kinds of things that we have around us, like light, that let us know that, that the Bible is with us, you know, and, and, and we have the Scriptures, and the Scriptures are the light that we use to follow. But uh, the Bible to believers, what really makes it so vital to us is that's where we find the truth. I mean, if you want to know what the truth is, it's found in the Scriptures. But we kind of have a love-hate relationship with truth. Um, we, we are a group of people that we would say, you know, I, I love truth. But truth causes us to do something that we hate to do. And that's called change. See, the truth, if it's the truth, and if it's really the truth, then once, once we accept that and we declare that's the truth, then our lives should change to reflect that we have accepted the truth. And, and honestly, we hate that. We, we hate to change our lives. I heard a story about a couple of guys that had, uh, they were in a boating accident and they were adrift at sea. And they had been at sea for several days. And there was... It was a desperate situation, and they didn't think they were going to make it. And one of the guys, he, he finally grew really frightened, and he started to pray. He said, Lord, I've, I've broken most of your commandments. I've got some bad habits. I promise you, if you save me, I'll change. I'll quit drinking. I'll quit cussing. I'll quit treating people like dirt. I'll quit. And the other guy in the boat said, wait, stop, man. I see a boat. That's how we are with change. Don't go too far. Don't go too far in changing and making too many promises because there might be a way for us to live without having to change. There's a difference between Knowing truth and accepting truth. Knowing truth, many times when we know a truth, it creates a belief in our life. I, I know something, so I believe that to be true. But when something is accepted as truth, then that, that 
changes the way we behave. That changes the way we act because we've done more than just accept it up here. We've let it, we've let it filter into here. And now then it's impacting how we live our life, how we, how we make choices. And where we encounter that kind of truth is in God's Word. That's where we find the truth that changes our life. When Jesus was praying for His, for his followers, He was praying for me and you. It was uh, right before He was arrested, right before He was crucified. Uh, the Gospel of John records a prayer that He prayed for those people who would follow Him, who, who would give their lives to Him. And part of that prayer in John 17, verse 17, He said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He's talking about the Bible. That word sanctify means make them holy. He was saying, Lord, make those who follow me holy. But to be holy requires you and I to change. Change the way we think. Change the way we behave. He says, make them holy, make them change, sanctify them by your word. Your word is the truth. So the truth, when, you know, and we're living in a day and time where truth is really fuzzy. Okay, we're not sure what's the truth out here when we're hearing things, we hear facts, we hear information, we hear people tell stories, and we're wondering, is that really the truth? This is the truth. The Word of God is truth. And so when we want to know truth for life, it is, found, it is found right here. And what happens is, is if we allow God's Word into our lives, and we accept it, and we begin to act on it, here's what you and I will begin to do. We will have holy moments in our life. Listen, none of us will be perfect Okay, give up on being perfect. I, I, I don't think anyone in here is pursuing perfection. Uh, there may be people here who act like they're perfect, but we all know you're lying, okay? So, so get over that. So the, the thing is, is, is that when we allow God's Word into our life, we truly can have holy moments in life. Where, where in a moment, in time, because of God's Word inside of us, and you and I receiving that truth and letting Him work that out in us, we have a holy moment. And, and the more we receive God's Word, the more holy moments we can have and, and connecting those together. And that's what Jesus was praying for me and for you. In John 8, I'm sorry, in James 1.18 it says, God decided to give us life through the word of truth so we might be the most important of all things he made. God's word does a lot of things in our life. I just want to list some things out for you, what the word of God does. It creates faith. It produces change. It frightens the devil. It causes miracles. It heals hurts. It builds character. It transforms our circumstances. It gives joy. It overcomes adversity. It defeats temptation. It births hope. It releases power. It cleanses the mind. It exposes lies. And it reveals God's promises. All of that is found in this book. All of that is found in this book. The Bible 
is where we find spiritual nourishment. And listen to me very carefully. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you don't need God's Word, I would challenge that you believe in Him at all. If you say, I'm a believer, I'm I'm saved, I believe I'm going to die and go to heaven, but you don't need God's Word in your life, I would challenge that. Because it is our spiritual nourishment. We starve inside without it. And if if we're saying, I know the truth apart from God's Word, then the truth that you're calling truth is the darkest darkness. And you're completely deceived. We desperately need God's Word in our life. So what are we supposed to do with the Bible? I mean, as believers, we would say, okay, I get it, I know, I need that, but when I sit down and read it, it, it's awkward. It's not a typical book, I get it. It's hard to start in Genesis and read to Revelations. It's kind of, ch- especially when you hit Leviticus, okay? It just, it's just kind of hard. And, then, and sometimes the Bible uses words that we don't use anymore, and it talks about unbelievable things. I mean, really, how, how am I supposed to believe? That, that almost sounds like a fantasy. How could that possibly have really happened? I understand. There's challenges. But Jesus said in John 8, verse 31, He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple." Now, abide, that's a word we don't use very much. And we look at that and say, well, what does it mean to abide? Well, the word abide means to remain. It means to stay. Imagine, imagine a husband who's being enticed by a woman who is not his wife. And she's trying to woo him to her. And he says, no, no, I will be with my wife. That's what it means to abide. That's what that means. It means to stay. It means to remain. There is an obvious choice. Do I, do I for that man in that moment, do I be with that woman or do I stay with my wife? There, there's an obvious choice that needs to be made. But to abide means that he would choose to remain to stay with his wife. Well, when he says abide in my word, it's the same principle. And we've got, we've got things in our world that would want to pull us away from the truth of the word. We've got people in our lives, we've got our culture, we've got even family sometimes can woo us away from the truth of God's Word, and and say, you know, you don't need to live your life exactly like that. You don't need to exactly behave or think that way. And we must make a choice. Am I going to stay and remain with the Word of God? Or am I going to be wooed away? Thinking that there's another way that I'm supposed to live. That's what Jesus was talking about. And so I want us to spend our time together this morning 
just thinking about how do we abide in the Scriptures? How is this possible? I'm going to share, uh, hopefully, just some really practical stuff with us this morning about how to abide in God's Word. So how do we do this? First, to abide in the Word of God, we must accept the Bible's authority. And I'm going to be honest with you, if you and I, if we can't accept the authority of Scripture, pretty much everything else I'm going to say this morning is, is just, uh, you know, what we call in Alabama hogwash, okay? Because, because if you can't accept the authority of God's Word in your life, you're going to have a hard time abiding in God's Word. Because what that means is, is you think there's another authority, that there is another way, there, there, that, that the Scriptures really don't apply in this situation or in this circumstance in your life, and there's another way to make a choice. Or is the Scriptures our authority? That's where it starts. You see, the truth of the Bible has to become the ultimate authority in our lives. That which we turn to and say, this will govern how I make decisions in my life. There are primarily four false authorities in the world, okay? And, and we fall under their, under their spell pretty regularly in our lives, and we have to choose to abide in God's Word when we encounter these false authorities. The first one is culture. Culture has a really strong pull in our life, and, and the best way to describe culture is to look at it and say, well, everyone else is doing it that way. This is how the world is making their choice about this circumstance. This, this, this is what everyone else is doing. That's culture. And sometimes that becomes our authority. We look at that and we say, well, it must be okay because everybody else is doing it. It must be okay because it's not against the law. You do realize there are a lot of things that are acceptable by man's law that are against God's law. But culture has said it's okay. And so sometimes we fall under that authority and we let it lead us in our life. Sometimes it's not culture. Sometimes it's tradition. Tradition can be a false authority in our life. And what I mean by tradition is when we look at our life and we're having to make a choice and we say, but I've always done it that way before. That's tradition. This is the way we do it in my family. This is the way we do it in Northeast Ohio. This is the way we, we do it however we want to say it. But, but because that's the way it's always been done, well, that becomes an authority in our life. And we say, well, that's how I do too. That's how I act. Even though God's Word may say something different, the authority of tradition, the authority of, well, it's always been done that way, sometimes takes precedent. Another false authority that we encounter is reason. And reason simply says, well, it, it seems logical to do it this way. But yeah, so sometimes what makes abiding in God's Word challenging is that what God's Word wants us to do doesn't make logical sense. Really easy example, forgive your enemy. That does not make sense. Logically, that doesn't make sense. What's logical is destroy my enemy. Make them a grease spot on the ground. That's what is logical. But that's not what God's Word says. Sometimes we fall under the authority of just our reasoning. 
and thinking, but that doesn't, that doesn't make sense, so I'm not going to do what God's Word says. I'm not going to let it be the authority in my life because that just doesn't make sense. Another thing that, that, that we can fall under the sway of that becomes an authority in our life, and this happens to a lot of us, and it's getting more and more frequent, is our emotions. The way we feel. What God's Word says is to do this and behave this way, think this way, and it is completely opposite of the way we feel. But I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like, like responding to life that way. And so our emotions become our authority, which determines our behavior. And when we allow these other things to become an authority in our life, we're no longer abiding in God's Word. We must accept the authority of God's Word in our life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Listen, let me tell you something. One of the most important decisions we make is determining that the Bible is the ultimate authority in our life. It's one of the most important decisions that you and I will make. It can't be our culture. It can't be our traditions. It can't be our reasoning. And it can't be our emotions. It must be the Word of God if we're going to abide in the Scriptures. A second thing that I would like to point out to abide in God's Word is that we must let the Spirit of God rub biblical truths into our lives. John 16, 13, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit would come. And it would say, He said, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. So this is what's interesting. Please don't miss this. Anyone can teach someone else truth, right? I can t- any parent can teach their kids that lying is wrong. Only God can teach a kid to be honest. You see the difference? Any person can share truth with another person. But it's only the Holy Spirit that can take us into truth. Take us into the truth. And so when we, when we read the Word of God and we discover truth nuggets within the Word of God, I, I can discover all kinds of truth nuggets and share those truth nuggets with you. I can teach them to you. But only the Holy Spirit can take you into them. That's why it's so important that we stay in the Word of God and that we let the Holy Spirit rub these truths into our life. That it's not just facts that we have, but it's truth that's rubbed into our life and we begin to flesh that out in the way that we live, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we spend money, the way we entertain ourselves, the, the way we treat our family or our friends or the way we treat our enemies, all of that is impacted by the truth that's rubbed into our lives by the Holy Spirit. So I want to quickly say with you five ways to let truth be rubbed into our lives. Okay? Five ways, quickly, to look at this. First of all, you must check your attitude about the Scriptures. 
So what many of us do when it comes to the Scriptures is we'll read something in the Bible, and, and we, treat it like our, we treat it like our news media outlets. You know what I've noticed lately about news media outlets is people only listen to news media outlets that tell them what they want to hear. I don't know. Has anybody else noticed that? Well, we kind of do the, th- the same thing with the Bible. We look at the Bible, and Christians are notorious for this. They'll look at the Bible, and they'll say, I only believe the parts I want to hear about. The parts that I don't like, or the parts I disagree with, or the parts that don't make logical sense to me, or the parts that, that rub up against my emotions, or the parts that, that go against my traditions, or the parts that don't really, they don't fit in culture anymore, well, we just take those parts out. And our attitude towards Scripture has to be checked first. And Jesus told a great, a great parable about how to check our attitudes. You, uh, most of you in here, many of you here, many of you watching online, you're, you're familiar with the story that Jesus told that, that we call the story of the parable, uh, the, the, the parable of the sower. And so the story goes that there was this farmer that went out and he, and he threw seed out on the ground. And Jesus talked about how the seed fell in four different places. The first, the seed fell on what he called hard ground. And the Bible says that, that it was so hard that the birds, Satan, came and took away the truth. Some people's hearts are like that with the Word of God. They just read the Word of God and it says something or they hear something from the Word of God and they just say, you know what? No way. It can't be that way. That is, that, that is not right. It's hard. And Satan comes and takes that truth away. Jesus also talked about some of the truth falling on what he called shallow ground. Shallow ground. Shallow ground was, was ground that, that uh, it received the truth really quickly, and it sprouted up really quickly. But when hardship came, when trouble came, when ridicule came, then it would die quickly because there was no root there. And some people do that with the Word of God. They'll, they'll read the Word of God, and, the, and it, oh man, I love that. Jesus is awesome. It's great until it begins to create a little hardship in their life. Then it's like, oh no, that's, that's not how I'm going to live. That's not what I'm going to do. And it's shallow soil. He talked also about soil with weeds. And this is soil where, where the seed fell, but there were weeds and other things there. And, and it and it choked out the Word of God. They, they heard the truth, they received the truth, but it, but it choked it out. It didn't really have a chance to take hold. And a lot of our lives are like that. A lot of our lives, I mean, there are so many people who, who place themselves in a position to hear God's Word, and they hear what it says, but man, my life is so busy with other things. I just don't have time to, to really accept the truth and act on that. And then he talks about the good soil, the receptive soil, that soil which takes the truth of God's Word and it produces a crop. It produces fruit in that person's life. Jesus closed that parable by saying these words in in Luke 8, verse 18. He says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. He's talking about what's your attitude towards the Word of God. Do you have a closed mind? Do you have a fickle mind? 
Do you have a distracted mind or a receptive mind? How is it that you receive the Word of God? The second thing that after, after we uh, have checked our attitude, because let me tell you something, that, that attitude right there sets the tone for the other four things I'm going to share with you. Okay? Because the next thing that happens is if you have a receptive attitude towards the Word of God, if you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, you're sitting at home and you're saying, well, I don't really have a problem with the Word of God. I, 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 can, I can accept it as being the truth and, and that, that I need to follow it. I, I'm okay with that. If that's your attitude... Then number two, read the Bible. Read it. Billions of us have access to the Scriptures. I've already shared with you what you can do in your smartphone. You can read your Bible incognito on your smartphone. At work, at school, no matter where you are, people will think you're, you're dealing with your fantasy team. But you're reading the Word of God real time in your life. We have access to it like we have never had before. If you say, well, I don't like reading that old King James Version. There's like 70 versions on the Bible app that you can open up. I mean, I think they have a comic book version. I mean, come on! To read the truth of God's Word into your life. Ten times in the Gospels, Jesus asked this question, Have you not read? Have you not read? That's a valid question for you and I. Have we not read? Did you know that a person with an average, just an average person with an average reading speed, if they spent 15 minutes a day reading God's Word in a year, you would read the entire Bible. That means if you spent 30 minutes, you'd read it twice in one year. Read God's Word. Get a Bible reading plan. Again, Go to the Bible app. Google it. Bible reading plans. There's, there's tons of them. Tons of them. Read God's Word. Just read it. Just read it. I'm not asking you to do anything else with it. Just read it. You'll see that God will begin to speak to you and His truth will be rubbed into your life. Now, another thing that we can do is that we can study the Scriptures. That's different than reading the Scriptures. Listen, you don't know what the difference is between reading and studying the Bible? When we study the Bible, we ask a question and we write down the answer. Uh-oh, that takes more time. Uh-oh. But you know what? Sometimes we need to study God's Word. And it's all about asking the right questions. Listen, I'd be willing to teach any person who wants to know how to study God's Word. There's just not very many that want to know. What we'd rather do is read the notes from someone else's study. Right? I would rather read what somebody else studied and put together for me to read. There's nothing wrong with that. It has its place but we should study God's Word on our own. And it, and it really boils down to asking the right questions. I'll give it to you quickly. I'll give you six questions to ask, okay? This is easy. This is free stuff, all right? Here it is, not in your outline. Six questions to ask. When you're reading God's Word, when you're reading a passage out of God's Word, ask this question. What is God like in this passage? 
Second question is, what is God doing in this passage? Third question is, what is important to God in this passage? The last three questions are easier. What is the warning in this passage? The next one is, what is the instruction in this passage? And the last question is, what is the promise in this passage? Take those six questions when you're reading a passage out of God's Word, and you, the, the Bible will come alive to you. It will come alive to you. say, oh, I don't believe that. I've tried that before. It doesn't work. Let me tell you what God's Word says. James 1.25. Look at what this verse says. But the truly happy people. Don't, don't overlook that. But the truly happy people are those who carefully study God's perfect law that makes people free. And they continue to study it. They do not forget what they heard, but they obey what God's teaching says. Those who do this will be made happy. Anybody here want to be happier? Raise your hand if you want to be happier. All right, like five of you said, I don't want to be happy. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Check your pulse. See if something's going on, okay? Everybody wants to be happy. Right here, we're told that if we will study God's Word, look at what it says. Those who do this will be made happy. I just gave you the secret to happiness. Here's another thing that we can do. Is we can memorize the Scriptures. Oh, I hear the groans right there. Did you hear them? You vi- I mean, really, people go, ah, ah. People tell me all the time, I have such a poor memory. Baloney. There are people sitting in this room right now that know more about the Browns football team than I could ever forget. They know more. We remember what we want to. Your head is full of COVID facts. I bet, I bet half of you in here right now could tell me the latest COVID facts going on in our state. Because we remember what we want to remember. We remember what's important to us. This past Wednesday night, we had our IWC event, and Anthony Munoz shared at the event. Uh, Anthony Munoz, I know he played for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm sorry. I can't help there's no Christians on the Browns team. <laughs> All right, I can't do anything about that. But, <laughs> and that went out online for everyone to hear. But, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. He shared, he shared a, a, about the best part of Wednesday night was his talk. How he shared his faith, how he came to know the Lord. And then he began to talk about what changed his life. And I don't know if anyone caught it in the room, but what changed his life is that he memorized Romans 12, 1 and 2. And he began to filter everything that happened in his life through Romans 12, 1 and 2. And you're saying, well, what does Romans 12, 1 and 2 say? I don't look it up. You have a Bible. Look it up. His entire life is built on those two verses. And he talked about that that evening. And he called it his worship performance. How he lives for the Lord. 
Memorizing Scripture has some tremendous benefits if you and I would take the time to do it. Listen, it can help us resist temptation. It can make us, help us make wise decisions. It can reduce stress in our life. I hear people say all the time, I'm so stressed. Go memorize a passage of Scripture. It can help us build confidence. It offers good advice. It can help us share our faith. And if you listened to Anthony Munoz Wednesday night, you heard him share that in his life of how knowing God's Word helped him in all of those ways. Listen, there's three keys to memorizing Scripture. Here it is. If you want to, here it is. You ready? Review, review, review. <laughs> Just keep going over it over and over and over again. You don't have to memorize long passages. Just memorize what God lays on your heart, what jumps off the page and says, this applies to you. Remember it. Remember it. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That happens through memorizing the Scriptures. The last thing I would encourage us to do is to meditate on the Scriptures. In today's world, meditate means to empty your mind. But that's not what biblical meditation is. Biblical meditation is not emptying our mind. Biblical meditation is focusing your mind. Now, I know what some of you are saying. I don't know how to meditate. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in the room know how to worry? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. All worry is is focusing on your problems. That's all it is. I'm, I'm super focused on my problem, and I'm worried about it. That is meditation. All you do is you take the Word of God, and it becomes the focus of your mind. And you focus on that passage. That's what it means to mo- meditate on the Scriptures. And any of us can do that. David was called a man after God's own heart. King David in the Bible, he's called a man after God's own heart. How did he get that way? Psalms 119, he wrote and said, Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. That's what it means to meditate. The third thing that you and I need to do if we're going to abide in God's Word And let me say, before I get to that, let me, those five things I just shared with you, do not try to do all five at the same time. That will be so discouraging to you. If your attitude is right, pick one of the other four and go with it and see what God will do in your life. The third and last thing that I'd like to share with you about abiding in God's Word is practice what the Bible teaches You see, having the right attitude, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible, meditating on Scripture, all of that is useless if we're not willing to practice what the Bible says, to put it into play in our life. This is the hardest step because, really, Satan fights us really hard when it comes to practicing the Scriptures. He would love for all of us to go to a Bible study. Go to a Bible study, learn a new nugget. Just don't put it into practice. 
That's where the struggle begins. The struggle's not in going to a Bible study or, or, or reading the Bible. Really, that's not the struggle. The struggle is when you and I try to practice what we've learned in the Scriptures. That's when He really begins to push back on us. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Here's the thing. We can deceive ourselves. And we say, well, how do I do that? How do I deceive myself with God's Word? Really easy. We simply don't do what it says, but we say we believe it. See, I, I bet... For most of us sitting here in the room, most of those watching online right now, if, I, if we were to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation, and I were to ask you and say, do you believe the Bible? You would say, yeah. Yeah, most of us here would say, yeah, I believe what the Bible says. But then if I were to say, well, are you doing what it says? I'm not talking about all of it, just the parts you've read. Just the parts you understand. Are you are you doing that? And we say, oh, well now, well, now, wait a minute. Now, there's some things I don't do. I, you know, I don't, I'm not generous like it says, and, and I'm not forgiving people like it says, and, and, and I'm not, I, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm not sure about, about this whole thing of God forgiving all of my sins. I mean, there's this really bad sin, and I really feel bad about it. I still feel bad about it. I'm not really sure. Well, then let me ask them, do you really believe it? That's how we deceive ourselves. And James says, don't do that. The truth becomes active in our life when we practice it, not when we know it. Anybody can know it. It only becomes powerful when we practice it. Jesus said in John 13, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The blessing doesn't come from knowing. The blessing comes from doing. One reason we avoid practicing the truth is because it can be so difficult. It can even be painful. I get it. To, to put into practice what I, I think of the person who's engaged in a relationship right now who, who loves someone and they're, they're, they're physically they're having sex with someone that they're not married with and they love that person and they read God's word and it says, don't do that. To, to, to break away from that is painful. I can think of multiple other things that, that, that where God's Word, where we fall into doing things in our life and, and to follow God's Word, to just, to just say, I'm going to not behave that way anymore because God's Word is telling me to behave another way, I, that it would hurt. I get it. I get it. One time I, uh, when, when I was living in Kentucky and pastoring a church there, we had a fence row in our yard, and it's just a barbed wire fence that ran along where our property line was, and, and there was this, it had grown up, you know, and the fence was all covered up by just these bushes that had not been cut for years, and, and for some reason I just decided I'm going to cut all that back. I want to I see the fence. I don't know why. I just started doing it, and so I started clearing off this fence row. 
One day while I was out there clearing out this fence row, I lost my balance and I fell into a thorn bush. It was fun. I fell into this thorn bush. And you know what I discovered in that thorn bush? That no matter which way I moved, it hurt. There was no way to get out without it hurting. Now, I could remain completely still and feel no pain. But if I wanted to be free, I was going to have to hurt. And that's what happens when it comes to following God's Word. Sometimes we have developed habits, we have developed attitudes, we have developed behaviors. We have, we have let weeds grow in our life. Truth. And we're stuck in that thorn bush. No matter what we do, it is going to hurt. But also, it's the only way we will ever be free. And that's what it means to practice God's Word. To put it into play. My hope and prayer is that you won't just hear this or read this but that you and I will do it. We'll do it. We'll put it into practice. Let me close with a prayer for us this week. I hope that this can be your prayer. It says, Father, please change me by the truth and power of your word. Create a famine where I am feasting on culture, tradition, reason, and emotion, so I will accept the authority of Your Word. By the power of Your Spirit, guide me into the truth. Don't let me settle for knowledge when You are providing a changed life. Don't let me deceive myself with familiarity and facts of Your Word. Turn me into a doer of the Word. I pray it in Jesus' name. I hope that can be your prayer. You know, if you'd like to know more about applying God's Word to your life, a great way for that to happen is to text the word CONNECT to 330-400-2869. That'll open up a line of communication. We can share with you what it means to apply God's Word. And to let the truth change us. Thank you so much for being at Grace Bible Church this morning. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.